Hello and welcome to Mike's Open Journal episode 25 and this episode is kind of, bad me for leaving that on, Uh, it's kind of a chat, uh, an informal chat, didn't really have a set topic although uh, we ended up really talking a little bit more about mental health in the workplace and some of the challenges that can come with having or being affected by a mental health uh, disorder and trying to gain work experience to have a job um, and to function within that initially. Uh, we also looked at things like mental health events, uh, what would be beneficial to us, what would make us be interested in coming along, uh, and specifically started to talk about the MH Meet um, that's being organised at the moment by one of uh, myself and Rich's friends on Twitter, so do check out some of the information which can be found under hashtag MHMeet. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Again, if you're interested in coming onto the podcast in the future, do get in contact ideally through Twitter, Facebook, or through the website. If you are interested in coming on in the future, uh, I am looking at starting to kind of try to do uh, a regular slot on a Monday evening in the UK time. Um, to record um, some of those group chats so if you're interested uh, some will be at other times but just to let you know that's probably when I'm going to try and record those so thanks very much for listening and we're going to drop you straight into the conversation with myself Rich and Livy. So I've been looking at apprenticeships today um, because having never worked and never having completed any form of sort of official work experience uh, because of my mental health and my OCD, I can't jump straight into a job because mm. everywhere expects a CV with some work experience and yada, yada, yada. So I've been looking at apprenticeships. I just happened to see an advert on the telly um, from the government, you know, like gov.uk. So I thought, oh, well, I'll just go and have a look. And where I use social media pretty much all of the time, um, mm. especially with my blog and my YouTube channel, I thought, oh, well, I'll have a look at something to do with that and see if there is anything. And I've found a couple of apprenticeships that offer social media marketing and digital marketing, all that kind of stuff. And okay. they say, you know, all we want you to approach us with is determination, passion, hard work, and sort of a good work ethic. Mm. And we'll teach you the technology and any IT skills that you need. Um, and although maybe it's just me being naive where I've never been able to like have a job, but some of the apprenticeships offer sort of £240 a week mm. and £250 a week even on some. And the idea for me that to have £1,000 a month of my money, okay, like travel expenses and stuff, take yeah. that away. But to have sort of maybe roughly £800 of that, a month of my money is mind-blowing. That's like so much money to me. Um, and it would just be so nice to help out my dad with the house and just be able to be independent even more than I am now. Um, and and it, just, it just feels like they're sort of more supportive and it's more it's more opening and less intimidating than a sort of official job. I guess as well, because you're going to go in with because of the type of um in is it an internship or an apprenticeship it's an apprenticeship because of the like apprenticeship that you're you've sort of described i guess you're going to talk about or you'd use 
the experience that you've got from doing some of your mental health stuff online so i guess it probably also makes it feel quite open in that you go in with like you uh, being in the situation where you've not worked before you could think oh it's like a weakness when actually you're going with a strength because you know and you've used quite a lot of the tools that you're going to go in and use in the workplace does that, yeah. make, does that kind of make sense i hadn't thought about it like that but that yeah that's it sort exactly of gives you a step up doesn't it before yeah, you start yeah. because it's an environment and it's using platforms that i'm already sort of familiar with yeah you just you get to use them for work and you learn probably just how to do things prettier and quicker i guess yeah i mean one i don't know um if you've experienced this live as well as you mike but with sort of um scheduling sites like buffer and hootsuite for social Mm. media um that's something that they say that will be used quite a lot yeah so it's something that i need to learn because i've never used them yeah i don't know what's your experience live with um this sort of stuff well, personally, I didn't really like it because it's like you put so much effort into doing it, but you've done the wrong thing, even though that's what you're supposed to do, if that right. makes sense. Uh, I didn't quite get it. <laughs> Explain a bit more, please. <laughs> like, okay. If it says that you need to do this program yeah. and do all this stuff to it, and then you do it, but then it's wrong. It's like you can't take back what you've already done. Oh, uh, So it's well, like yeah. if you set up tweets and stuff and it's wrong, you can't change that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've I've seen some that pop up on... I think it's usually on Twitter, just because it's got the limit, where someone's obviously done it on, like, Hootsuite or something to go out to, like, say, Twitter, Facebook and wherever else. And it cuts off because they've obviously used a longer message, which is fine everywhere else. Um, but it will just show up like half the message and then dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've got no interest in reading whatever you've put because you haven't actually put it on on this platform. Um, so that's the only thing that I've kind of come across that I've had like a in my mind, I've had like a negative reaction to because I think you've not kind of sort of kept in mind where that um where that information or that media is going where that's fine like i say that's fine for facebook and most other platforms but where twitter's got that limit um or when you share like i think i don't quite know about hootsuite i'm not sure with images um so if you like use an image sometimes it doesn't go like it i've seen it come up on twitter before with like a link to instagram Right. Um, and again, like I'm like I'm not clicking on a link to go over to Instagram to see something from Twitter. Um, so it's just little things like that that I yeah. I find a little bit annoying um, and that put me off. And I think is like just the way that I've used it is always quite um, like I want to get a message out at the time. Um, so I've never had to use it enough in a professional sense to schedule that many. Um, I, I so think that's... I'm in a similar vein with you there, where, because yeah. I, I like with Facebook Live videos and stuff. It's it's to capture that happening right there and then. Mm. Um, and one thing that also sort of I guess not puts me off. And again, I don't know about the pair of you experiencing this or feeling the same way, but sometimes it just feels like you see too much of someone's tweets 
I mean, particularly Twitter for me, where I see it in action mm. most. But I'll see a mention about a certain blog post or video like seven or eight times in one day. Oh, I know we, um, I know we love singing the highlights of um, Pokemon. Um, but that that article about the autistic boy, how many times I've seen that pop up on Twitter is so annoying now. Yeah. And it's the same image as well. I'm like, just give me a different image. Change yeah. the title or something. And I was like, the first few times I saw it, I was still like, oh, yeah, that's it's a great story. I don't mind that. But I've got to the stage now where I just resent it every time I see it. Right. Um, I just think just it almost makes it like it's not a great... Because I, I think essentially it's meant to be like an advertisement for the game and saying how good it is. And I feel like, oh, you're not really saying that because I know you're basically talking about one kid. Yeah. Um, like, write something else. Write it about a different game or, I don't know, someone else that's been affected in some sort of way. Yeah. It just becomes a little bit repetitive. But I guess that's the whole idea that if you're in that workplace that you schedule stuff and you do it in the right way rather than these ways. Yeah. Um, I suppose that other difference is a lot of people, um, like we're maybe slightly different where you're not always working. Um, but a lot of people will have key times that they look online. So say like first thing in the morning or lunchtime in the evening. Yeah. So, So maybe you do put the post up like two or three times in a day. Um, but then if you check it quite a lot, like some of us do, <clears throat> maybe more than we should. Um, <laughs> name no names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've started to notice quite a lot now how often I'm on there. Um, then you are going to come across it because you're going to see it every time it's posted rather than where most people will only see it a couple of times. Yeah, when the traffic's there, I suppose. Yeah. See, that's one thing that my dad and I have clashed with in terms of like my blog and my YouTube. Um, just in where you know I've been like I'm going to upload this at sort of seven o'clock yeah and he said why are you uploading it so late but when I check through the analytics of my blog and my YouTube channel the most time I get traffic is after 6pm and between what six and one in the morning yeah well you've looked into that a lot more than I bother (laughs) (laughs) um but that's you know it's like that's why I just said to him I'm not going to post it at one o'clock in the afternoon because no one's there yeah. no one no sees one's reading it. it yeah yeah I don't know do you, have you looked into yours that much Liv? Um, I know that at like sort of night time it gets a lot more views than it does in the daytime. Oh. So that's why I always post at night. Oh man, I feel like I'm way way behind with the the uh, analytical tools. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm like I've finished writing it, post it. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I will do that if it's, for example, like the last three blog posts that I've written from a blog. Mm. I've written those and posted them as and when because yeah. I didn't. You don't want to think point. about it as well. It's just like yeah. this has happened. Here it is. Yeah, I, I just thought I need to just get this out and, and just get it up and then I can remind people tomorrow of it and stuff. Mm. But if it's like with my YouTube channel, like sometimes I'll film stuff like days in advance and just remember that that's when I need to put it out. Yeah. I don't know, is it different as well? Like, Do you guys, um, 
I don't know about massively, but how much do you edit the like the blog posts and other stuff that you guys put out? I'll let you take that one, Liv, first. I don't edit mine, personally, because it's just more raw if it's not edited. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I've found... I've had a couple where... Um, like I've spoken to people about doing like guest blogs and that's where I've come across it a lot more where they're like oh we have to like check it for whatever and I'm like yeah that's cool Um, and if they're happy for me to post it as well I'm like well I will just post it as it is and if you want to change it that's cool with me Um, and I'll put a link up like somewhere in there to like your version yeah but yeah I'm the same like I feel i Sometimes I'm not even giving it a once-over for spelling and grammar and stuff. Oh, you know. Because it's like we were saying, you sort of write it sometimes. It's I think I check it more probably if it's like a reflective thing, like I'm talking about a longer time frame. Whereas if I'm talking about um, like now, I think I don't care if I've spelt it wrong because you get more of a sense of how it's written. Yeah. Does that I'm make exactly sense? Exactly the same, yeah. yeah. Um, how... However, obviously, with, like, the YouTube videos... Yeah. I'll edit those naturally for, sort of, time purpose and that mm. kind of thing to cut down on un- unnecessary bits or... But some mistakes I'll leave in. Yeah. Whereas just some are just too long to just be necessary or... Yeah. Some make sort it naturally relevant. sort of funny as well and it fits in with the... Yeah, yeah. Like, the conversation that you're having. But I'll never edit out something that I've said, either a blog or a video, that I think, oh, I don't know, should I have said that? Well, it's, like you said, if it's reflective or or, or if it, you know, takes a day or two to write, I might sort of plan it a lot more or, you know, or be sort of more strict with myself. Yeah. Whereas if it's something that's in the moment and I'm just, I'm literally putting the thoughts out onto the, onto the, keyboard mm. it, it i literally finish it put a couple of tags or whatever and click send yeah same um so i guess like where we started off talking about mental health at work and the fact that rich you've gone out and you're starting to look at this damn it i've forgotten i'll get uh in no it wasn't an internship apprenticeship oh, they're so close together um <laughs> Liv, what, are you able to tell us a little bit about your work experience and what you've done? Um, I used to work in a kitchen and it was like, it was really busy and I'm I'm not too keen on like busy places or anything like that, hmm. but I worked there for like a month and a half and I had to have like a day off because, you know, when it just gets too much. Yeah. I think especially if if you're somewhere it sounds like when there's like a lot of communication and there's a lot of stuff going on in somewhere like that as well yeah exactly and it just it got too much for me and then as I'd had one day off I thought oh I need another day off and it just so quit I think that can be a struggle as well can't it sometimes because until you get there you don't know exactly um how you're going to interact with people yeah exactly um and i suppose like you say once you've been there a month you've sort of you've done really well in that you've got over that initial period but you're starting to get to like the next stage where you're like you start to think about whether you're going to cope with that 
on a more constant basis I suppose yeah did you have people that you like were meant to be I don't know like mentoring you or did you make friends there in that time I had like um someone that I personally worked for but he didn't understand anxiety yeah so when I'd said I have anxiety he was like oh we all get a bit nervous Mm. and I was like really (laughs) thanks (laughs) (laughs) was it um like a smaller place that you were working or was it a chain it was a it was Weatherspoons oh okay I'm a bit more surprised because I was kind of thinking oh if it's like somewhere small I can kind of understand like they haven't got maybe the time to invest in people but when it's a chain you'd think they'd be a bit more invested in trying to like train people keep people have a bit more understanding of how people are and can be affected yeah yeah exactly but by being a bit more I don't um, yeah I don't know I have to say I went for an interview once um, at a club that's near me to try and find like just some night work to get a bit more money and um, it was, I, I, I don't really remember a lot about it, but I remember it just being a bit of a weird experience where they'd done some sort of like open day for like if you wanted to work there that you could come in. So there was, I don't know, maybe 80 people to start off with. And um, you didn't know how many people they wanted to take on. I mean, obviously they got into the effort to do this, so it's more than one person. But, yeah. Um, you don't know whether it's sort of, 10 people or 30 people or whatever and um i think we did we get like a a big group chat from like one guy and that was probably about 10 minutes and then you just sat in one of the rooms and waited your turn to go in and see like a duty manager or someone for a i think like something like a 10 minute interview and um like it went I I think it went quite well, but I was pretty sure when I left that I wasn't going to get it because I thought they basically want someone that can um, do the general like dog's body stuff of picking up all the glasses, which is really what I wanted to do. I was like, I don't want to come here and learn anything. (laughs) I just want to come here and work (laughs) and then leave. And I was like, I had that bit down, I think. But they also wanted someone that essentially wanted to stay there and learn and then kind of do the bar work. Um, and build up to that having done like just collecting stuff beforehand which really is probably a very good way to do it because you're trying to keep people um and train them up um but that's not what i wanted (laughs) i was like i just want to come along i'll i'll work hard um but i I, yeah i just wanted to come in and collect glasses (laughs) and that was it really um yeah but i'm so i'm surprised that they weren't a bit more like you say when it's a a bigger chain or franchise or whatever that they don't have some sort of training that says oh if there's like certain stuff you struggle with or that's different for you that we can help you with or at the very least have maybe like some more understanding managers yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh, mm, i'm surprised is that the only place you work live yeah because then i I went to college before that yeah then i dropped out of college because that was like the same uh, uh, it's I don't know I, I wonder I guess every college is different but I think it's a shame probably that you had that experience at um, 
that workplace to start off with because it's probably quite a negative one I think to to come away with I think yeah that's quite a shame because especially places like colleges and um like educational institutions there can be quite a lot of support yeah but it's difficult to get it sometimes it it is left to you to go and find it i um i when i i never went to university i got accepted i got places unconditional offers yeah and i couldn't go because of my mental health at the time Mm -hmm. Um, i just wouldn't have been able to deal with it um because I, I just couldn't I couldn't get around the idea of sleeping in like a campus room or whatever that someone yeah. else had used before and I just yeah my, I just was like no it's not possible and then when I went moved up to Blackpool and went to college I obviously explained after a month or two about my OCD mm-hmm. and one tutor in particular was fantastic to the point where he got a meeting for me with the head of the catering at the college to organize that I could go in and five minutes before like lunch and all that kind of thing and pick out what food I wanted and they'd do it all specially for me oh that's really cool um and when I got voted as representative of my like year group for the for the college I then was able to sort of lobby with the head of the college or the head of that campus of the college and the catering staff to put up glass barriers between the food at like the buffet service so that, so that people couldn't sort of cough, breathe, sneeze or whatever on where the food is. Yeah. Um, and that actually got put through within a matter of weeks. They approved it and set it all up. So like there are obviously a lot of negative experiences that people have been through with college and stuff but sometimes like you said you can get really supportive places that will go above and beyond to help Mm, i think i i would say in in sort of the mental health regard um i'm probably more of a latecomer to that party (laughs) um so when i was um my experience a bit more with things like dyslexia so when i was at school i really struggled with um like english um particularly like kind of writing yeah um and my mum has always said oh like there's you've got there's something that's not right there and I'd kind of queried some stuff in school as well because I really enjoyed um like reading and writing but just massively struggled with it yeah uh and they always said oh it's not it's it's just that it takes you a little bit longer to pick it up there's no real reason or issue or anything like that uh and then when I got to college I spoke to somebody else it must be like a tutor or someone um and they said oh if you go around to like student support or whatever so I went around there spoke to somebody else and um they did like a quick assessment and said oh we'll we'll put you forward for um like the testing that happens at the uni um so I went round and did the testing and I think I spoke to someone there while I was waiting and said like, oh, this has come up when I was at school, but it's only now that I'm at college that they've actually directed me to somewhere to go to get um, like assessed. And they said, well, one of the reasons can be because um, if you have any sort of assessment or it's recognised by the institution that you're at, once they recognise or say, yes, you're dyslexic or yes, you have a mental health issue, um, the institution you're at has to support that. So they said right. the, the school probably wouldn't have put you forward for it because once, um, if you came back and it, it said, yeah, you're dyslexic, they would have had to support you and that would have cost for you to be tested 
um, and right. it would have cost for the extra support that you would have needed. So they said that's why they, they veer away from offering that because they can't afford to give that sort of support to the students. And once one person comes forward, they'll get a few. Um, and I thought, like, it's just a shame that that's sort of the way it goes. I mean, I don't know if that's a lack of knowledge within schools as to how to access funding, if there is funding available. Um, but I can see that, um, I think, in some colleges where I think they're a lot more... I feel like they're more proactive. So things like that, having the chance for you to go in and look at the food um, beforehand and being able to lobby for, for stuff that actually, yeah, it's probably good for you to have that um, glass guard up. But actually yeah. that's benefiting everybody. Um, yeah. Whereas like you going back, say, into the kitchen, that's just helping you. Um, but you come up with and you support the things like the glass guard that's actually better for everyone so i think there's a little bit more going on i guess around supporting students and being aware of what's going on at college and uni levels whether that's to do with funding time staffing yeah um i really don't know um but i think that can be a good kind of starting place for a lot of people because in my mind and again this could be different it might just be um, my view but when you're at college there are people that are there that it is their job to basically make your experience better and to support you yeah like student services yeah that kind of thing um and once you leave college or uni or whatever and you go out into in brackets the world um i d- i know there are people there but you've got to do a lot more to find those people um they're not gonna come and see you in class you're not gonna be able to drop into the library and see them i i think that's it's a good starting point to be aware of what kind of support is available um but again that's not like i say it's not everyone's experience and obviously it hasn't worked out that way for you live i don't know have you been able to interact with um like more support since you've left college yeah, I feel so. I feel like after I dropped out, it was more like, okay, now it's serious type thing. So do you feel like once you left, you felt a bit more like kind of, I don't know if independence is the right word, but a bit more like oh, now it's my turn to really um, like work out what sort of support I need, what I want to do. Yeah. And I felt like I was getting taken a lot more seriously when I actually said i can't go to college anymore you know yeah because it's actually recognized then as well i think i think that's that's where it's so sad isn't it where it takes something that impacts you in that kind of way yeah to make a decision like that for people to take note Mm. and and actually do something about it yeah and i think especially for you to have had two of those experiences to kind of have a similar one in a college as you as the one you've had in a workplace um and just not have like that full support straight away um yeah. or even if they don't know how to support you just like a willingness to sit down and have a chat mm. um so rich tell us a little bit more about your apprenticeship what did you you haven't started yet 
So I've looked and picked out, out of hundreds of apprenticeships, I've picked out sort of four at the minute based on location, um, experience needed or, you know, sort of requirements and desired skills. Um, Because I'd like to, obviously, finance is is a big issue at the moment for me. I'd like to be able to earn the most I can. Yeah. But by doing something I'm happy and passionate about, and I know it's trying. I know people might say I'm just picking and choosing, and why can't you just go and get a job? And that's the whole point of of why I'm doing this. Um, and I've sort of narrowed it down to four jobs in London, in the city centre, because they're you know sort of nine to five every day of the week, bar weekends. Um, it's a full sort of job as such but obviously you get a lot less pay yeah um but that's still more than i've ever had in my life because i've never been able to work so um and i'm just at the minute going through applying for them because all of the end dates for the applications are sort of in the next two weeks okay so i'm just at the process now of you know tell us why you think this is good for you tell us why you think you'd be appropriate for this role okay you know all that kind of stuff all those brilliant questions yeah all those questions that give you a 4000 character limit but you end up only sort of putting about 10 lines <laughs> so yeah the idea is well i think the idea isn't to cap out on those as well so yeah exactly um but i think that's quite good like you say um yeah it's not loads of money but actually it's not bad um and the key thing with the both an internship and an apprenticeship is that you're getting trained whereas um if you went in on a say just like a part-time role or dog's body role or something um then you're not always trained it sometimes is a little bit like oh we're just going to give you the crappy jobs and yeah you're going to be here for a couple of years and then we'll if you get bored you can go somewhere else and we'll get someone else to come and do this crappy job I think this is the thing like you said like Mm. they have specifically said in on the sort of description of what they're offering the only sort of skills you need to bring to the table you know sort of all of the skills that job jobs entail and that employers look for sort of you know hardworking responsible punctual resourceful determined blah 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 Mm. and then they say we provide the training you know we provide all of what you need to learn the skill or to learn what the job is. Yeah, and I think more and more places want to keep more of the um, people that come through on an apprenticeship as well because they've taught you. So all of the skills and the techniques you've got fit what they want rather than someone that's been maybe trained or learned somewhere else. Very much so. Um, So I do think that's probably the thing that I feel like has changed a little bit more. Rather than people just, I mean, it's still great that they offer apprenticeships, but um, I think before, like, it was a bit more like, oh, let's train up an apprentice and it's an extra person here. Um, I think if you get the right place as well and the right organisation, you've got a good chance of having something at the end of it. Um, And even if you don't, like, the better the place is to start off with, like, the better it looks when you think about going somewhere else afterwards. Yeah, uh, and what's really good is that and again people might think how can I think like this I've always said that I just really wouldn't want to do a job that I'm not passionate about yes because the last thing 
the last thing I'd ever want to do with my life is in 30 years time think I've been doing this job and I don't like it and I've never liked it and I've just worked for money all my life because yeah. I'm a massive massive believer in not wasting what we have mm. in terms of life you know, yeah. you know like just as much as you can try and work your life so that you can be happy in whatever you're doing yeah and I, and I know I'm in a very fortunate position where I'm able to kind of think like that without too much trouble yeah um I, you know that's granted I accept that but the good thing about these apprenticeships are they all use environments and and techniques and abilities and and programs that I'm familiar with passionate about comfortable with eager to learn more about um one of the one of the positions is um a photo and video studio in london oh, that cool. specifically l- works with sort of youtube videos yeah so that would be brilliant for me because it's working with what i do at home anyway but yeah. i'm getting paid to do it and learn more yeah that'd be really cool so it's i think that's the thing where i just kind of never ever thought about an apprenticeship you know i never mm. I just overlooked it, and it would be a great sort of first step on the ladder for me, really. It's definitely a good way in, and I think especially when you, if you're thinking about maybe changing your career or, um, in your case, like just starting scratch, like to have a chance to go in, not just get a job, but to have a job and for it to be part of like the agreement that they're going to train you and give you that experience um, is really good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's. I think, you know, as a starting point as well from a mental health perspective, that pressure isn't there straight away of you need to know everything, you need to be good at everything as soon as you start, you know, you need to excel, you need to... That pressure's gone because I just need to just be hardworking and, and willing to learn. Yep, sounds good. Um... Let's roll round to, um, I think I've scribbled down like events and workshops, which kind of means something to me. Um, so I was kind of interested to, I guess this is probably a conversation that might roll over to another podcast as well, is the idea of having um, like social um, opportunities to meet up with other people that are talking about um, mental health so whether that's um, podcasts blogs um, youtube channels um, and have it as uh, i guess kind of in one sense like a chance to meet up with friends that you've made online um, but also i think kind of giving recognition to the fact that a lot of the stuff that we do is a little bit more than a hobby um, and it's almost it does almost get to that stage where you are kind of like volunteering for your own organisation, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's relatable to me. What about yourself, Liv? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I just, yeah, a chance to kind of get like your guys' opinion on um, what you kind of think or feel about the like the content that you've put out so far and what your ideas would be around um potentially having an event like that or attending an event like that um and what would make you want to attend or not want to attend um and just have a little bit of a chat about that 
either one of you first. <laughs> uh, I'll go on. I'll let you take that one as well. Live first. Um, I think, I think I'd like to go to an event like that because you don't see many events like that. Yeah, I think I have to say, um, like we mentioned in um, Rachel's event earlier, that is, I think, the first event I've really seen any information on. Um, So that would kind of, it appeals to me from that aspect of just it's something I've seen. Um, And I think also when you've just, um, obviously I think you've probably spoken to uh, Rachel more than I have, Rich, but... Um, when you've had like some interaction with that person as well, it's not just like um, a random event out of nowhere. Like it's someone you've spoken to before, yeah. Um, and you have a bit of an idea as to um, kind of, I suppose, the people that are going to go along, even if you don't have an idea as to what's going to happen. Um, but kind of the fact that the the benefit that yeah, that's great that that event is happening or is in planning. But the kind of the sad point that that's like the only one for me that I've seen yeah I yeah, don't know if there's uh, been much around or much that you guys have seen I've seen a few from other people um, there's a, a journalist I think she's a journalist I know she writes for the Guardian but I don't know if that's her main job uh, called Brownie Gordon um, she has all like created this mental health meets where you can pitch an idea to the website of a meet-up for people that want to talk about mental health and don't have to worry about being alone. Okay. Um, and you can do it anywhere in the country. Um, and you, if you follow their Twitter page, you can follow where the events are in the coming weeks and months. Um, so I've seen quite a few there. Um, and I've seen a lot of the sort of... You get a lot of the blogging events and the YouTube events, but although a lot of people involved in mental health go to those, I don't know that they're necessarily to do with mental health specifically. Um, so it's more just like, like a said, gathering of people that put out. Yeah. Um, and more like you said that Rachel's is in terms of people on the internet, that's the only one I've seen. Mm. Um, I mean, I think they, I think I'm never, I've not felt, because I've spoken to her at length about this for quite some time now, and I, I've i not once felt nervous about attending because I know everyone that's going is going to be empathetic, mm. or at least I would like to think they would be. Yeah. Because we're in some in some way, we're all in the same boat. Yeah. You know, we've all, all faced similar ch- hardships and challenges and, you know, sort of we've all experienced something similar. So, you know, it's not something that I'm nervous about or afraid about. But then in terms of like the content that I put out and sort of like managing yourself and volunteering for yourself as a brand as such, I think that's, I never set out with that intention, Mm. but then it quickly becomes apparent that that's what you have to do. Yeah. Because otherwise it, doesn't work if you you know if you don't take it seriously and and put effort into it and take time to invest in it it not only 
have I found that I would lose interest myself, but also through that as a byproduct of sort of my lack of enthusiasm, the content becomes unwatchable, unreadable. You know, it's it's just about prioritising the workload, I guess, and, and how you view it. Yeah, I think it's understanding what you... For me, I think it's about understanding what you get from it as well. So, um, like a lot of the um, content that I put out, I feel like it's a chance for me, like on the podcast, to talk to guys like yourselves um, or on the blog to maybe um, kind of just get stuff out of my mind uh, and down onto paper. So it starts off as being for me. Um, and then the like the secondary benefit, I think, is the idea that um, I'm not just keeping it to myself. So um, the fact that obviously right now I'm talking to you guys, but then um, putting the podcast out, knowing that like at least one person's going to listen to it, um, that when I write a blog post, like at least one person will read it. Um, and I think you get, or for me, I get some sort of benefit from the fact that I know someone will read it or listen to it. Um, and I think you can you can still get that, I feel, to some extent if if you don't do it proactively or it's not amazing. But that kind of self... Um, that idea of like self-achievement or self-worth, I think probably drops, um, which I guess is kind of what you're hinting at as well, is like if you really value it, if you enjoy it, then you, you are going to put that work into it. Yeah. Um, what about yourself, Liv? Um, personally, <coughs> when I first started writing, I, I'd put like post out nearly every single day. Yeah. But it gets to a point where like you, you can only write so much about bad stuff. Mm. So. Now I like write once a week or something. Yeah. But it's still putting it out there. I think it's trying to balance that as well, isn't it? Because I've seen a couple of blogs where it seems like someone posts quite often, like you're saying, sort of once a day or something similar. Um, and while that's great, I think it depends on who you're trying to appeal to. Um, like for me, I'm probably not going to read your blog every day. Um. And like you say, especially if what you're writing down is, um, or it can be emotional, I feel like if you were doing that every day, that'd be really tiring. Um, and in a, I guess like a viewer's or an audience member's perspective, like how different is your content going to be if, if you're posting out every day? Um, like you say, for us, sometimes the... Like the negative thing of like I know some people that, that literally can't leave their house um, some people with um, anxiety about certain things that's going to be repetitive every day every week um, again with things like OCD if it's a repetitive behavior you're going to be affected by that and be thinking about that each day and every day um, yeah. and as a reader that's quite powerful or effective to maybe be told that even say if it's something with like a light switch, if you mentioned it every month, that would still resonate with me. But if you're telling me every day, the message would gradually be lost because I can't, I guess it's not as powerful. Um, 
and yeah again it's just it's it's like that pokemon story it just becomes too repetitive it's the same thing yeah that's one thing i've in terms of like blogging on the channel because i started sort of doing sort of writing about my experiences a couple of years ago and didn't really know what i was doing didn't have any idea about scheduling blog posts or or you know planning to release one every week or you know two a week or whatever i just thought i'd write how i felt and yeah when it when it sort of the inspiration or, or the the moment hit me um and it was only when I came to sort of organise my YouTube channel and I started researching what sort of the um, prominent YouTubers do and how much content they put out each week and, and when and all that kind of stuff that I actually kind of looked at how much stuff you put out is relevant and how important it is. Mm. So... I sort of set myself a target of twice a week with a video. Yeah. Um, and I thought that's that's not too much, that's not too little. And then if I don't, I can always just say to people, well, I haven't because this or because that. And with the blogging, I don't want to do that mm. because with the YouTube channel, I think for me that's important to have consistency. Um, you know, and, and one of the main things that pretty much everyone says about YouTube and sort of not making a name but like making sure that people come back is is having like oh i will post here and here at here and here every week yeah so they have like that in their head they have like a schedule of when you are going to put a video up so they know to get ready for it Mm. whereas with my blog not that it's more personal to me than my youtube channel but where sometimes like we've spoken about it can be and like Liv said it can be more raw and visceral and in the moment yeah i don't like to say well i'm going to schedule a post every week or twice a week because i could say oh well i've done something last night but then like an hour after the post going live i could have something in my head that i have to write down and get out and then that's two things within the space of an hour that are going to get lost in each other's posts i think the only way i could sort of see that working is i think probably Liv touched on this earlier actually um is where you've got um a lot of sort of that written content already um so if you've got three or four blog posts that you want to put up that you can start to schedule stuff because you've almost got a backlog of things you've written yeah um and i can see it kind of working in that aspect um but i think for me one of the things is some of the times um when i've written it's stuff i feel like i probably wouldn't naturally like if i get a chance to think about it i won't share it um yeah and that's why some of the times, like like I say, when I won't proofread it or anything, that's one of the reasons, because I feel like if I look at this, I won't say it like this, or I maybe won't say it at all. Um, and so for me, that's one of the reasons why I put it out. Maybe it's like a like a lack of confidence in, in talking about that or about showing that part of yourself, um, that I try and do it without thinking about it. But um, then that's also courage that you do do it you know that you do press that button and get it out there and let it go if that makes sense you know it's i think that's 
and again, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I think that's kind of the therapeutic process for me of writing and just getting it out of my head mm. is sometimes enough for that moment, you know, and for me to get through the next day kind of thing. Mm. I think a big thing for for me that's, I guess, changed slightly is I love writing, like, pencil or, pencil or pen, like, into a book. Um, and I feel I find it a lot easier to write in that way, but um, that's just, like, so inconvenient. <laughs> um, yeah. So a lot of the time um, I've started now, I will type it on my phone, which doesn't flow quite as naturally, um, but I just get quite annoyed with having to type stuff up. Um, I don't enjoy that. Um, right. So the chance to, like, it's going on now, let's type it now, rather than write it down, and then, like, two days later, I have to type up that stuff from a notebook. Um, it's not, yeah, it's just not quite the same. They pr- It probably results in... I probably have much better posts if I do them in a notebook and then type them up later because there's some element of proofing going on there. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know, I think it's the convenience of it. Mm. Probably more than anything else. Uh, I feel like we drifted off there. I can't think how we quite got to there from events. Um, <laughs> Liv, have you found any events or anything like that near you? Um, I haven't. I've I've seen no events, and I actually tried looking for events like that, but I haven't found anything. Uh, yeah. I Was there nothing on support groups from websites like Anxiety UK and that kind of thing? Yeah, there was nothing. Really. Really. That's see that see that's where it's hard to fathom how how there isn't that sort of network of people there that's through, you know, one of the main websites for mental health. And Is that that there is no events or just there's none near you? There's no events. Oh. Like, in where I'm living, Yep. there's no events in that county. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I don't... I haven't really... I think I've looked on. Uh, I think I've looked on Mind and Time to Change before for events. Um, or is it Time to Talk, Rich? <laughs> time, to, time to change. <laughs> time to change. <laughs> time to change. Um, and uh, yeah, I I usually can find something around Southampton, which is not massively close, but it's it's in the area that I work, so I guess it ends up being close because perspective um so I, I can usually find stuff that's kind of near me but it's usually not time convenient or it's not directly applicable um or it's like a um like a tea and coffee meeting that's at 10 o'clock in the week I'm like well that's really handy because I'm at work um so I know there's like informal kind of um meetings sound so formal um but there's gatherings so there's small yeah. gatherings um that even happen like i think in my like local town center um and a lot of the time they are just like tea and coffee things or there's a i've seen an advert for a men's shed um so i think okay. they go out and do um i don't know if it's like 
actual, you know, like allotment stuff, and then they go for a drink afterwards or something. I'm not sure. Um, that's kind of how I read it, but that could all be assumed just because of the word shed. Um, <laughs> uh, so I know that there's stuff that goes on around me, but I just don't feel like it kind of, it doesn't appeal to me. Whereas mm. I think some of the stuff online, because I feel like um, you get a chance to maybe just connect with a few people beforehand. So you've got an idea as to like, who's going to go along. You've maybe spoken to a few people before as well. So, you know, you're going to know some people that are there um, and having a bit of an idea about, I suppose what you're going to get out of that day um, is also quite interesting. Uh, But I suppose more for, I think for Rachel's one, just the fact it's not a local one kind of appeals to me Mm. Um, and the chance to like meet up with other people from around the country uh, will be quite interesting. And it sounds like there's, I think the last time i spoke to her it sounded like there's quite a few people from london going um i don't know if if you've got any more recent information rich no i haven't um i didn't actually know there were quite a few from london going so um see see like about sort of that one particularly it would be great if the people from london that are going that possibly travelling by train, I would imagine, would all be able to know who each other are so we could meet up and go up together as well. Yeah, I thought about um, like asking beforehand like if there was like a guest list or something um, because it sounded like there was a few people in London and I thought realistically I'm not about to like jump out and try and meet people at London if I'm changing, but it might be quite handy to know yeah. Um, because I was like, oh, if there's someone else coming from um south, um, you've got a chance to possibly like catch each other or whatever. But um, it's also just an interesting thing I think to to know because to me Manchester's pretty north. Um, mm, yeah. as to like, um, what would be the idea of having one in, um, like a much more southerly location, uh, like at a later stage, and I I gather that that's a potential anyway for next year Mm. um but i think yeah just the chance to have that kind of um it's not just like a mental health meet like it's actually people that um i suppose openly talk about um their experiences and the topic in general yeah i i I think it's the way i see it maybe it's just me is that it isn't a mental health meet it's meeting up with friends that just by happy coincidence are comfortable talking about mental health if that yeah. makes sense yeah i think that's I, I kind of view it i guess as a couple of things so like it's other people that might struggle with stuff similar to you so it's a chance to have a chat with them um it's also a chance to um talk to other people that do like a similar voluntary <laughs> um role as you in regards to sort of putting out that content like you said yeah. a chance to to meet people you've spoken to so like yourself rich um but also meet other people as well make new friends yeah totally and, and it's that chance isn't it to just meet like-minded people that aren't gonna judge you and that yeah. are gonna give you the time of day yeah i think so um and if you if you were going to put on your own event, what would be like the one thing 
that you'd want to put in there that would really um, like make you think it's a good event and make you think that people would want to come along? Um, it can be more than one. Well, well, personally, it would be. See, my 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 biggest issue about going is the physicality of actually going. Yep. Um, Because as you know, I can talk till I'm blue in the face and, you know, I'm open about talking about mental health like that. And I'm, I'm happy to meet new people. I'm not, you know, uncomfortable with that side of things. It's just physically going. Yeah. And I think the one thing for me, if I was organizing something would be to like, drill into people that if there's anything they're uncomfortable with please 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 don't feel worried about saying look I, I really can't go there or I really can't go here or mm. I can't sit down here or I can't drink this drink or I can't eat here or I'm happy for you guys to eat here but I'm just gonna do you know what I mean that yeah. kind of thing yeah um I think that would be the most important thing because everything else just would happen naturally and, mm. and I just think it's I think it's having that security of not being judged um, and knowing that you're around people that aren't going to freak out as such if you say, I can't do that. You're not going to sort of get like dodgy looks. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it, it's that feeling of safety almost. Hmm. What about yourself, Liv? Um, I think I'd probably have things not just related to mental health but related to things that can cause mental health issues like bullying and stuff like that i think i'd have things dedicated to that sort of stuff okay that's kind of cool as well because i think i guess that brings along something that um can be a support tool as well for everyone that's there exactly and you can get a new different type of person to come as well what like um like stands or speakers or things like that yeah i think that'd be quite cool and again it opens up um it opens up the event i guess to being more than just like a social meetup yeah and like you say especially if you've traveled far um it enhances it doesn't it? it's like if you go to a festival like it's not just music yeah it's everything isn't it yeah so yeah, I think that would be quite cool, and definitely to have like, um, I'm thinking like, oh, if you sit down with someone and have a chat, and then after talking to them, you realise, oh, this would be really handy to know a little bit more about, or actually, um, I'd like to know a bit more about whatever. Um, to have information or people you could go and talk to there um, would be really cool because I think a lot of us sometimes we're you're quite wary of the like oh, I'm going to talk openly about my experience and what I think and I've gone through. Um, but I'm not qualified, I'm not a practitioner, this is not my job. Um, so to actually have people there that are able to talk a bit more, uh, I don't want to say professionally, in a professional way, if that makes yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. Um, would probably be quite a cool thing as well. Um, I think that's, um, that. yeah, that would be quite cool. Yeah, no, I I just think, again, it's it's all part of, how you approach it because obviously every person is so individual Mm. um, and it's trying to cater for everyone's needs 
Um, I know when I've been, I've been to a couple of the OCD action conferences now. Yeah. Um, and they're fantastic because they have people there that sort of are coming at it from a professional background, uh, medically, but then they have sort of speakers there that have been sufferers or survivors themselves. And then they talk about their experience and, they have sort of like little workshops and icebreakers and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, so I think it's kind of like obviously with like Rachel's mental health meetup and stuff that was just a sort of more informal. Let's just all get up, like all meet each other and yeah. just have a chat. Yeah. Whereas I think obviously especially when if, it's the first one that you're organising yourself, it's going to be very different. To, yeah. Than if it was sort of like the tenth one where you've yeah. organised speakers and a stall and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And like workshops and all that business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to some, um, like for a job I had before. Went up to London for this like training day. Oh, okay. And um, we can't remember exactly what I'd gone there for, but it was really good. So you go, um, went along, and there was a like a, a main hall where you all sit down and you're um, have like a welcome talk or whatever. There was probably some sort of buffet thing beforehand. Um, yeah. You have like a welcome talk, and then I think there were um, about six different rooms with different workshops going on, and you got to choose to go to one of those six things. Right. Um, then that finished. Then you had like a break to go and chat and mingle or whatever. Then there was another workshop, and then you all came together at the end for another big group thing, and that right. was that was really cool because I think they recorded all of the workshops as well. So if afterwards you decided you would have quite liked to have seen one of the other workshops. You could watch it online after a week or something. Um, so that was a really cool one. But that was, like I say, that's, to me, like that's quite a long way down the field. But it's quite yeah. interesting to see that, um, like the different ways that stuff gets presented um, and the different ways events can be put together um, to sort of break down that that idea of, yeah it's great to get loads of people together but sometimes it becomes a bit impersonal um, yeah depending on how how that's organized um so it is interesting to see but um like i say i feel like i'd almost be um happy with just like going up to manchester and sitting in the park and just having a chat now uh, <laughs> but i think it's it's that idea initially of just getting people together and being able to coordinate that um, yeah it's the most important thing um, I feel like when you've got potentially people coming from further away, I do quite like, and I am just thinking this after having said it a few minutes ago, um, the idea of being able to know who's going along beforehand. Yeah. Um, so you could sort of meet up along the way, um, especially if some people were worried about like, oh, I'm going to turn up and I maybe, maybe I, I've not spoken to anyone before. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's why I mentioned about the London thing. If people are going from London, whether they're coming from your way or from London itself. Yeah. Just it's a, just like sort a, of like a pre-icebreaker. Yeah. Well, especially if it's a case of like, oh, I can um, say it like, like again, if I've not spoken to anyone before, the chance to maybe come along and just meet up with like one or two people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then jump on the train and have a chat with you guys before we get there rather than walk into a room of like, 30 people or or however many and be like oh I don't know anybody um, and I think personally for me as well from a male perspective 
I'm one of the few. And if like, if you're going, we're one of the very few. Um, because I know Rachel was saying, like, do you know any guys that blog, vlog, or talk about mental health that want to go? Because there's yeah. like literally you and a couple of other people, and that's yeah. it. And I think from that perspective, it would be nice, like you said, not to just walk into a room, say, for example, full of like 30 girls and there's just like one other guys, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, that can be quite intimidating, I feel anyway. Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't think I would necessarily feel it be, if it was female dominated. I think it would just be just the fact you don't know anybody. Um, but it can be, could be different for anyone. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would like the number wouldn't scare me. It would be the female thing, but not because it's like all girls. Do you know what I mean? It's like I hope there's a guy that I can speak to there mm. in terms of mental health from a, a male perspective, and yeah, because then it's not just because there is a stark difference in how. Yeah, I think how you talk about women, it as well. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I saw today. Uh, I say today. Um, a couple of hours ago. Um, a oh, let me have a look for it. There was something. I think it was on BBC that popped up about um, the number of girls. Uh, uh, more than a third of teenage girls in England suffer from depression and anxiety. And oh, it just brought home. I don't know if this is the reaction I'm meant to have from it that stats are rubbish <laughs> um, and they can tell whatever story you want them to tell. Yeah, well, um, that was in, that was in like, the Daily Mail or something um, the other day, wasn't it? The, the, I think, or The Guardian or somewhere, because it was the same article that I read, and it was like uh, middle-class girls are far more like, like one in three middle-class girls are far more likely to suffer with depression and social anxiety because of their phones and stuff like this. Yeah. And, it was, and I was just like, oh, honestly... I think one of my concerns with stuff like that as well, um, and it comes from, like, I have it when we end up with a conversation about which you naturally, like you say, you become part of as a male, where we talk about, oh, men will struggle more with this issue or that issue. Um, And I think, I don't know, that's where I get a bit hung up on, especially, like, some of the work I've done before, um, I've been involved where there have been events and projects that are aimed towards boys or girls and I just struggled to really fully buy into those because I feel like you're doing more to increase that divide than actually help it. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's great that we recognise that actually... And I think that article kind of brought it up for me that... So this is based on feedback that they've received from teenage boys and girls. While one of the big things that's been mentioned in other articles um for obvious reasons is that boys are less likely to, to talk admit. about yeah um and so for that article to then come out afterwards to me just is almost like so are you ignoring the stuff that you said the other week <laughs> like, yeah i don't <laughs> it's it's the pitfalls of mental health and statistics because like you said in general, because of the stigma that is faced by people with mental health problems, they're less likely to admit that they've got any issues. Yeah. But then couple that with especially teenage boys who are far less likely to say, yeah, I actually have really 
bad problems with my mental health. You know, they're never yeah. going to say that. I know I, I think, wouldn't, you know. I think as well, again, stereotyping, that um, I think boys are probably less likely to recognise that they have that problem, whereas I think girls are probably more emotionally aware, whereas a boy would just not understand it, if that mm. makes sense. What do you think, and, Liv? We're talking about it as if... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've had the, the male's perspective. <laughs> I think articles like that are just really misleading for young people in general. Because it says stuff like, you know, girls are more prone to or boys are more prone to. But, you know, if you think about it from a general young person's stance, that... You know, whether we get social anxiety from our phones or any anything else, it still happens and it still can make us that bad that we don't want to get out of our house, you know? Yeah, I think it's, like you're saying, it's more of a case of, like, you're affected by, not the fact that you are male or female. Yeah, but the fact that in articles which show statistics like that, it always st- states the gender of the person rather than saying this is a young person and this mm. is a young person that's struggling. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I watched a video earlier and it was t- to do with um, like the keywords that are used in um, in titles. So they tell you something, it's usually just one word and they'll tell you something that you don't need to know but you're told it or that word is used because it um, it puts you on the path that they want you to be on to read the article, if that makes sense. Um, so if, um, say, uh, um, someone gets attacked in the high street or something like that, they'll put, uh, like, uh, a depressed person attacked, da, 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 and like, you don't need to know that they're depressed, but they put it in there because it implies then that because that person had a mental health issue, um... And it's the way that some of those articles are led, I just think is a bit, I don't know, I just don't feel like they're helpful. Yeah, it's yeah. just a lack of responsibility from the media standpoint, mm. in my opinion. I agree. Cool. Um, anyone got anything else they would like to have a chat through? I think coming towards sort of an hour and 20, so start to round it off. Uh, nothing on my end in particular. I think we've had quite a really good chat tonight about various topics and drifted on and yeah. drifted back we've great we're getting closer to that hour mark aren't we we're getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah minute by minute week by week yeah we'll get there we'll get there um yourself Liv no I think it's all good thanks cool um so this like I say didn't really have too much of a plan on this one um I'm kind of coming around to the idea of trying to do um having mentioned our the scheduling and stuff at the beginning um of trying to do like a weekly slot where at some stage i guess i'll have to think about what we're going to talk about beforehand um but actually have like a regular thing each week um and have a chance to have like a few people come on especially now i've got to the stage where there's um i think a few people that have come on and we've had like that big long chat and find out about like your story um which is great to do but then when i've got people that keep on coming on like rich um, oh, silly me. <laughs> um, it's it's a good chance then to actually get on and start to talk about some general topics now that we've kind of had that introduction to like who you are. Um, 
so I think I'll probably try and do something along the lines of of that. So if you guys were interested in coming on again, I think I'm probably going to try and do like the Monday evenings. Um, and then there will still be other ones floating around that are just whenever people are available. Um, but like we said, I think for me, trying to keep a time that I set aside makes, I don't know, it makes you think about it a little bit more, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a good approach to looking at it. Yeah, that's cool. Cool. Wow. Thank you very much for coming on, you guys. Um, and I hope you have a lovely evening. You too, both of you. Cool. Thank you very much for listening again to Mike's Open Journal and to this episode, episode 25, uh, which has been about working or gaining work um, and attending events around mental health as well. So as I said at the beginning, if you are interested in coming onto the podcast at any time, um, do get in contact through Facebook, through Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, Mike's Open Journal. Uh, Twitter is at open underscore journal underscore. Um, get in contact let me know a little bit about yourself uh, that we can do our own individual chat on the podcast uh, which we've done with a few other people so do go back and listen to those episodes so we have a bit more of an in-depth chat about yourself and your story um, and some of those struggles challenges and achievements that you have made if you're just interested in coming along on one of the episodes like this one where we just talk generally about um, sometimes a particular topic or just like in general I guess uh, that would be great too so thank you very much for listening please do remember you're not alone out there um, do check out the website and have a look at some of those um, recommendations for other podcasts other blogs that are definitely worth uh, giving a read to um, and some of the other support information and material that is available as well so thank you very much for listening and for the second time in about 30 seconds you're not alone out there <laughs>